0: Welcome to The Lex Factor, a lawfully good podcast where we'll brief you on the business of law so you can build a better practice and capture more
1: billable hours.
0: All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of The Lex Factor. It's your host, Lauren here.
1: And your co-host, Brad Pauble.
0: Yay. Yeah, thank you you yay. always say yay for We me. like to applaud oh when Brad comes on. It's it gives him a little, yay. a
1: little, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Being the co-host, you have to have something a little extra. You know, you're not the real host. You're just the co-host. So, so
0: yeah, we got to keep him going, keep him mm-hmm. excited, feel like he's part of the team still.
1: She brings me a Diet Coke and claps. Yeah. That's what it's about.
0: I like
2: it. I like it. it sounds like a perfect relationship. So I want someone to bring me a Diet Coke and clap. That,
1: and clap. that, that works for me. Great. She's trying for my job already. What?
0: I know. <laughs> Brad's wife, you need to bring him Diet Coke and clap for him when he <laughs> enters the room. <laughs> it's all he needs. <laughs> all right. Well, you guys probably heard we have somebody else on the on the show today. Um, we have Deb Nupp with us today. She is the managing director at Growth Growth. growth play. Welcome.
1: Thank you. So good to have you here. I'm thrilled to be here.
0: Awesome. Yeah, we were having a little fun with her before this started. But uh, Deb, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about
2: yourself, what you do about growth play? Great. Well, I so I have had the good fortune really for the last 19 years uh, to make a living teaching lawyers how to sell. And you can imagine uh, working in this industry, being a sales and marketing consultant <laughs> for lawyers is a very obvious career path, right? Obvious, right? yes. I mean, there's a lot of aspiration. And you couldn't imagine another people group who would love sales and marketing as much <laughs> as our lawyers love. But here I am. She likes the challenge. Yeah. No kidding. I do. I do. Well, and, and what's so fun about this, and so having a consulting business that provides training, coaching, and advisory work to law firms and lawyers in the areas of strategy, business development, and client experience. The things that we have learned over this last almost two decades is really at the end of all of it, um, lawyers are absolutely phenomenal business developers and marketers when Mm -hmm. they recognize Mm -hmm. that sales is an extension of their client service. And so we often say that business development and sales work when it is an act of service. And when you can approach the market, much like you would with the earnestness and the commitment and the advocacy in your profession, you bring that same zeal in serving a prospect or someone who's not yet your client, Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. amazing how the results will follow. It's just boosting all the detail in between to get to that place. But it has been a wonderful journey. Um, About six years ago, um, I, I founded a company in 2001. It was called Akina. And about six years ago, we became a part of Growth Play, which is a sales effectiveness consulting firm. And so over the last few years, we've been able to apply our methodology.
1: So Deb, that's such an interesting career choice. Tell me uh, kind of when was that moment that you realized, hey, this is what I'm doing now for a living. This is is who I am.
2: So I began, it was the second year after I started my consulting business. And I knew that I had two major passions. I wanted to create a business That would help individuals become the best version of themselves. Mm -hmm. The arc of my whole career has really been about human potential and unlocking Mm -hmm. the best in folks. I also believe that the answer to most of life's questions, particularly when it comes to growth and sustainability, it boils down to relationships and how do you Mm -hmm. cultivate loyalty and building confidence and building trust. Uh, through honest, genuine relationship building. And mm-hmm. so about a year into the consulting business, I was invited to uh, work for a law firm. And at the time they said, we're gonna hire you because we really want something different and innovative. And I thought, oh, this is going to be great. You might <laughs> touch this maybe. They said, we'd like to have a non-lawyer be our retreat speaker. And I did one of those cocker spaniel tilted heads like
1: <laughs> I know exactly a non-lawyer. What you, mean.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? I was like a non-lawyer and I couldn't, it was the first time that I'd been exposed to that construct of lawyers and non-lawyers as the world would be divided. Uh-huh. Um, and so imagining sort of what this next round of conversations and pursuits were going to look like, I, I had to ask myself, like, I don't know if I'm going to be their person. Um, but apparently during the course of the sales process, I was able to convince them that Sales was not a dirty word and that uh, Mm -hmm. in order, the lifeblood of any organization is our capacity to build predictable revenue. Mm -hmm. They were, um, I guess, taken by the directness of my approach and said, we'll hire you. And I thought this is going to be the hardest thing and the only time I'm going to work with a law firm. I'm in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin in a a beautiful ballroom back when we could go into beautiful ballrooms. Mm -hmm. And I was observing, we had 60 lawyers in the audience. And as I was talking about client service and the principles of loyalty building and relationship building and business development, I noticed this strange phenomenon with 60 set of eyes on me. And then they'd look down and write, and then they would pop back up 60 set of <laughs> eyes on me. And then, it was a little bit like a tennis match, only it was sort of, uh-huh. in, you know, not across, but up and down. And then it hit me. I thought, oh, I understand now mm-hmm. why there is so much resistance and so much anger and frustration and sometimes even arrogance That can be experienced um, when you're interacting uh, with lawyers on this subject matter. And it dawned on me because they don't have a construct. They didn't have a rubric. They didn't have a framework that was predictable from which they could be confidently successful. And it was then I knew. It's like, ah, I see things that they are not yet seeing. And I am confident in this people group. Mm -hmm. Something really important will happen um, if they can gain the confidence and grow in this particular arena. So that was O2. And I guess it kind of worked
1: out. And so here we are. Right <laughs> and now. here we are I mean. Here we are a right
2: couple now. of decades. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, two,
0: that was... that was just the other day, yeah, you know. Not too long ago. No, that, that must have been really energizing, though, to actually be standing there in front of that many people. And even just to see them taking notes. You know what I mean? You don't know what they're writing. You don't necessarily know what's resonating. But, like, you know they're listening, and they're mm-hmm. taking it in, and they're valuing everything that you're putting out there. That must have been pretty cool.
2: Well, it was. And, you know, and, Lauren, if I if I kind of look to the what's, you know, Why this was so significant? Having the benefit of retrospect, you know, I often talk about why it's so important for lawyers to have confidence in marketing and business development, and Mm -hmm. what difference this makes. There is nothing of significance or importance in the world that happens apart from lawyers. I mean, every single thing that matters commercially, educationally, whether we're dealing Mm -hmm. socially, in our politics, in our financial scenario, nothing happens unless lawyers and the law are there to support and to advance and to advocate for doing big things and important things. Yeah. A lawyer doesn't have the full capacity to be a whole being and they feel marginalized or, or under pressure and scarcity. If they're marginalized, everything in the world's a little less awesome. I've not met a lawyer who said, I picked the professional law because of the marketing potential. <laughs> you know, in fact, it was quite the opposite. And yet when I find that when that confidence and that, that sense of knowing really grows, and growing in a way that's rooted in authentic relationship building, it's been magical. It really has. And wow. I, I, feel, I feel blessed every day that this is how I get to make my living. Yeah,
1: I can see awesome. it. I, I don't know if I'm fairly classifying it, but you know the story that you're telling, what you're doing is you're taking a fairly confident lawyer that knows law, and you're giving the confidence to be able to market, to do business, and, drive, and therefore having that confidence in both areas drives additional revenue. It does. it does. You're a Absolutely. magic worker. <laughs> you
2: know, well, I mean, we can go with that. Let's. I like that. I'll add yeah. that to my LinkedIn profile. You, sure. news
1: tagline, magic worker.
2: Someone will like it. Yeah.
1: I, I like it. No, I
2: know.
0: Yeah, no, and I think Brad and I are really excited over here, too, because him and I are big on uh, relationship management and mm-hmm. relationship development. So I'm excited to hear what else you have to share. But I really, I do want to dig in more to the business development and really talk the foundation of it. So what are some of those foundational Principles that lawyers and attorneys, those in the legal industry, are really what can they find effective regardless of the environment? You know, obviously, COVID, um, COVID, non COVID. What are those basic foundations?
2: Well, I'll, I'll start with mindset. And I think that in, in order to be effective at business development, there has to be this foundation of genuinely being interested in having the genuine empathy and care and concern. For your target client, your target prospect. Mm-hmm. And so I think the mindset of authentic care and building and investing in for the benefit of others, I think is a foundational principle. And it's one that we teach um, as a starting point. I think the second piece is generosity. Um, I will find, will say to you that any salesperson, lawyer or otherwise, when they have an other centeredness to them, in the desire to solve problems that should be solved and not just the ones they get paid for. (laughs) There's something that really um, transforms the relationship between a buyer and seller when that buyer feels like they're being served right where they are Mm -hmm. without Mm -hmm. pressure, without manipulation, without strong-arming in order to part with dollars.
0: And that's Um, big in this industry. Yeah, you know, every client, there's so much concern. What am I getting into? How much is this going to cost?
2: What am I going to have to tell you? So much uncertainty. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, if you, and then if you compound that sense of uncertainty, then there is that level of um, engagement in the sales process where the greater you are in getting aligned with your clients on things like, number one, what is the problem that is to be solved and really should it be solved? Mm-hmm. Secondly, what is the right fit solution? And in some cases, the lawyer or firm may not be the right fit. And so there's some humility to say, we're not your best fit. Let me help you get to the right space. Mm-hmm. You've got to have a sense of timing. And I think, again, a lot of sales processes, when there's an urgency that comes with self-interest or desperation, that doesn't land well from the vantage point of the prospect for the client or buyer and their desire to buy. So urgency has to be aligned with timing. You've got to be willing to go on the journey with people. And so having access to how they're going to make the decision, it's interesting. There's some sales data that suggests it takes seven to 14 relationship advances. Until such time as somebody's ready to make a purchasing decision. So if you think about seven to 14 acts of service, Mm -hmm. acts of value, Mm -hmm. and having access to a person in that process, there's something to be said about the engagement and the discipline. You also have to be really good at setting expectations. I think one of the foundations of any good sales process is getting your prospect and you on the same page with regards to how long it's going to take, how much it could cost, right. what are the resources that are going to be required.
1: Mm-hmm. And then
2: lastly, I think you've got to have a real confidence in how to talk about money. And when I think about some of the great tactics and some of the great um, approaches and you know, closing and making the ask in the end, this is really about having alignment. Is the problem you're trying to solve worth the financial investment or budget that would be required to do it? And if we can get confident and comfortable and get on the same page, then I believe it's much easier to get to the close. And so what I just verbally walk through is something that we call at Mm -hmm. Growth Play, the six qualifiers. And when you can get alignment around problem, solution, and urgency, access, expectations, and budget, when you can get alignment around those six things. Business has a way of closing itself. One of the greatest things about lawyers in this process is that they are natural in getting alignment around those six things. That's so. awesome. That's
1: real. Where you really dive in is helping them while they're they're good at uh, kind of getting to the point of those things. You're helping them on you know that empathy and helping them build that relationship, which they might struggle with. Is is that correct? Or
2: yeah, well, absolutely, absolutely. And and I think that you know sometimes I'm asked, you know, can you teach empathy? And it's, it's easy sometimes to say, well, yeah, like just care. But I think the reality
1: is. Now pay me.
2: Now pay me. But, but what we found and um, what we found and what seems to work really well is when you can you can leverage tools that are, are known in some respects, like an empathy map mm-hmm. and ask someone to really pause and say, all right, what is the client saying and what are they doing? Because those are observable behaviors. So what is the client saying? And what is the client doing? Those are two pieces to activate a sense of empathy because you pause to be reflective and observant. When you get to though the emotional part of that condition is what might that client be thinking or feeling. Mm -hmm. And as you can move to the things that are not seen, but yet still imagine, that's when empathy gets activated.
1: Absolutely. Well, let's let's talk a little bit more about... uh, you know, the human condition and, you know, how does that affect the overall business development strategy?
2: Well, if you can imagine that when human beings are in distress, um, there are two things at play. So there's the distress that comes with our rational thinking. So distress is as much about our brain and how how we interpret facts and figures. So if you look at present condition and health statistics, and if you allow yourself to attach simply to data, You can see how that can conjure up a level of distress, concern, fear, risk. There's also, though, the emotional aspect of stress. And I think sometimes whenever we're in a business development pursuit, we want it to be all about the rational facts, figures, experience, let the best firm win, you know, he or she who's done the most trials or had the most deals that the rational data should carry the day. And the reality is emotion precedes any person's ability to grasp a rational value proposition. Mm -hmm. I think that when you look again at some of the research that we study, there's something called the buying and selling paradox, which suggests that human beings buy things first based on emotional connection and then move into rational justification. So that emotional buy-in really explains a little bit of the phenomenon. If you've ever been in your consumer life, maybe you've gone to a big box store expecting to come in with toilet paper and t- you know and paper towels and <laughs> you walk out with tennis racket. I have never well, done that. normal right. condition. <laughs> and in distress, and when the human condition, when human beings are in distress, we have to have a different level of connectivity to what someone might be experiencing emotionally. So what fears, what unknowns, what risks may be, may be experiencing personally before we try to engage them in buying a legal service. And so mm-hmm. part of the opportunity in adjusting your business development strategy is to actually care first about where the other person's needs, priorities and fears are coming from so that you can be better positioned in bringing a service or a solution for which you can get paid eventually. Yeah, it's
1: almost like meeting them where they are. You know, you kind of assess where they are and you meet them there
2: yeah, and no and, doubt. And I think for some
0: people, it can it can be probably difficult. But at the end of the day, you tell yourself you have a new potential client coming into the office for a consultation, sit back and listen to them. Consider your body language, you know, have your arms open, don't have your legs and arms crossed, whatever, and just appear engaged. And I guarantee even little steps like that would make all the difference. You know, they're probably coming to you because they have something most likely negative going on, not all the time. But if you can just show that you're interested, you're listening, and you care, I think
2: that's probably a really easy first step, Deb. Without a doubt. And you you bring up in two really important points, Lauren. First of all, the idea of listening. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are two kinds of listening. There's sort of listening, waiting your turn to talk. And there's listening when you're seeking to understand. Mm-hmm. And the kind of listening mm-hmm. that you're mm-hmm. describing, particularly right now, in the space where people are completely freaked out and their their baseline human needs have been disrupted. When you can listen with a desire to genuinely understand it then places you in a position of being a safe or trusted um, ally simply through the listening. And then when Mm -hmm. you go forward and begin to engage again and um, asking thoughtful questions and really trying to uncover what is the client trying to solve for, what is it they need to be solving for, you can be far better and more far more effective in making recommendations, which are plausible and believable.
0: Yeah, I really like that. And I, I mean, it's too. true. We all we sit in the office all day, and you're like, "Oh, I want to talk. I want to talk." And you're listening, but you're waiting for somebody to stop talking so you can make your point because it's probably a better point. You know what I mean? <laughs> but if I you mean, just right? sit, the, unless it was me, it. no, yeah, <laughs> then, then it's not
1: a good point. So
0: <laughs> always got a well, one up, Brad. But no, you you sit there and genuinely take in what they're saying and don't just think about what you're going to say next or how you're going to rebuttal or whatever, you're, you're taking it in and you are caring and the client's going to notice that. I can tell you two ears and one mouth, <laughs> if we use
2: them proportionally. <laughs> uh, there's great value.
0: That's a great point too. Um, So question, obviously the world is a little crazy right now. And I think a lot of us, regardless of the industry, we're we're down on sales. We're down on revenue. We're not seeing the numbers that we thought we'd see this year. And so it's a great time to talk about this, to talk about business development. We're going into 2021. A lot of people are setting their goals, reevaluating their operations, their logistics, their strategy. So what are some really simple steps people can use to to make a difference going into 2021. And I think one of them is really, how do you make sure that you're reaching out to the right potential clients and identifying those people who could actually use your services? So what are kind of some tips and tricks to go about that moving into the new year?
2: Yeah, so I would start with looking at three important variables. So number one, it's having an honest look at the market opportunities. So if you examine what are the large macro business, political, social, financial, what are the significant opportunities that this present market is providing us? So when you look at anything that may be COVID related or health and safety related or remote working related, Mm -hmm. you begin to see where the opportunities Mm -hmm. are with some clear judgment. Then from there, you look at the second variable, which is where are your skills and expertise? Where do you already have a set of capabilities, a set of experiences, a set of stories that are very kindred to have that expertise be valued with the opportunity. But I'm not done yet because that's where a lot of us want to start. There's an opportunity. I have a skill, buy something for me. <laughs> this right. is the secret sauce.
1: Wait, wait, we got to be prepared Shh, for this. Everybody. everybody, everybody. everybody. All right. We're ready. You ready. And the third
2: piece is, where's your passion? Ooh, where is God. your absolute yeah. interest and in energy and passion? Because I have seen too many lawyers have a good fit opportunity and have the right fit skills. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. would rather go and have a root canal than exercise the activity necessary to build the time.
1: Which the client's going to feel that, you know? And, and they
2: are going to feel that. Mm-hmm. And and the ability to sustain momentum and to build a practice of your dreams, notwithstanding the fact that, yeah, we are in a disrupted, it isn't business as usual, it's business as unusual. Yet, <laughs> if we have the discernment to be mindful of those three things, we need to look at opportunity. We need to look at expertise. And we need to look at where our passion lies. And when you can find the intersection of those three things as a bullseye, that's the starting point from a target market. Mm -hmm. I think the second thing then is to really examine your ideal clients. There is new business to be gotten Mm -hmm. when we begin with a clear understanding of who are those ideal clients. Where have we got the history and the success in our past? And how do we leverage and build on the trust and the loyalty that's in with these clients in the name of identifying where that next get will come. So, a net new client is more likely going to come through the referral of an existing, trusting, loving client and simply getting lucky out in the open market and hoping that someone finds you.
0: Mm-hmm. I yeah. could
1: definitely see that. Yeah. You know, there you're, goes you're,
0: those relationships, building yeah. those relationships.
1: And you're using that. You're using, you know, you've identified your passion, you're growing in that area that you're passionate about. It's going to be electric, it's going to take off. Yeah. It's gonna yeah. be great.
0: It's kind of like when you give a presentation and you know what you're talking about, and you're you just, passionate you rock about it. it. Like yeah. you rock it, and then it's like, okay, I'm giving this presentation because I have to, and I I feel good. I've done my research, I've practiced, but like I'm not passionate about it. I don't love it. I don't know. I don't know it front to back. You're still gonna do okay, right?
1: You know, um, but the audience isn't gonna feel it and take it away and say, "Hey, exactly. do you hear Lauren talk about she whatever?" Owned yeah. She owned it. She That's owned right. it. That's <laughs> right.
2: Okay, but look what you guys just did. Like what we just owned in that it, example right? no, you owned it, but here's what you you just did the buying and selling paradox in action. You see, it's this ability, we want to be moved. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And even though we might get the best data in a speech or presentation, if it's not coming with that passion, with that interest, that desire to be in service, something is going to be left on the table. And so we want to be moved. We want to feel a connection that not only will this person have the skill to do a great job, but they want to do a good job. They want Mm -hmm. to be in service. They want to help me solve my problem. And so I I appreciated this banter back and forth. (laughs) We didn't even plan that.
1: (laughs) It's it's like you you. subconsciously
0: like played it in our headphones and we (laughs) heard it a million times and then we lived it.
1: (laughs) I love it. I love it. So let's switch it up. You know, so we've actually completed, you've worked your magic on me. I'm an attorney. Right, I'm. I'm passionate about X, Y, and Z. Uh, you know, I understand my market. W- what do I do to get that message out there? How do I set myself apart? That I know I want to go in this direction. How do I get that out there so people, you know, start mm-hmm. coming to me? Especially with all the noise out there. Yeah. How do you no break doubt. through it?
2: Yeah. So, um, so again, in the in the land of everything comes in threes, um, I think that every lawyer will do well in marketing if they are ready to answer three important questions. And these are the can't miss, always present, always in front of us kind of questions. And yet, sometimes I see a real miss in marketing because we're not message ready or we message in a way that's very undifferentiated. So the first question in any communication of a value proposition is, what do you do? Now, let's be honest with ourselves. When people say, what do you do? Most of us will respond with some version of, This is my job title and the place that I work. Mm -hmm. Are you a partner? Are you an associate? Do you like corporate? Do you like franchise? Are you working in real estate? Are you a litigator? I mean, there is something on the GPS of this Mm -hmm. to kind of geoposition you. But when it comes to messaging value, very often you won't get the second question or the second level of interest if you haven't conveyed something that communicates the value in which you would work. So a simple shift. What do you do instead of saying, I am a business development consultant, Mm -hmm. I might say, I verb target market problem solved. I teach lawyers how to sell.
0: That's awesome. I am
2: still a business development consultant. And I'm also now communicating the value that I may bring. So if I'm a litigator, you know, I work with companies to solve for this particular dispute or business continuity issue or transactionally Mm -hmm. and helping clients grow their market share in Latin America, I actually, I
0: went to a conference a couple of years ago and we did an exercise kind of like that, but the whole, it was focused on, you know, adjusting or rewriting your LinkedIn, the little about you section. So now every time I go on LinkedIn and I see things like that, like I teach lawyers how to market themselves as opposed to I do business development. Um, I think there's a lot of that thinking out there. Now I notice that every time I go on LinkedIn and someone has a description or a bio about them, um, that's phrased in that way. I'm like, yeah, they're thinking differently they've been there they've learned it you know but it is cool it stands out it's yes you do business development but you completely marketed it in a different way and just the way that you rewrote those words it it positions yourself as a more approachable almost a more a more passionate person I think because right. you took that extra time and you're like this is what I do you know this I'm not defined by my job title like this is what I do I I, I teach. Yeah, yeah exactly
2: it's really cool it's to whom I'm in service to. And again, in other scenarios, particularly LinkedIn, I'm glad you brought that up because if I said, you know, if I, I teach lawyers how to sell, is a really simple way to describe how I make my living. But when I teach lawyers how to love selling, mm. then we're adding in even another layer. So having an elevator pitch, as it's often referred, is one of the first lines of messaging and value. But the second is probably even more important because the 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 second place that we miss marketing moments, and to communicate values when people ask us what's up or what's new. Now, if you'll continue to work <laughs> with me here, if somebody says what's up or what's new, what do you think most people would say? Not much. Not much. Okay. Hands down, Lauren. Single quickest response is some version of not much, nothing much, mm-hmm. same old, same old, right? There is a certain non-response that comes to the what's new question. They also get a little more colorful. Sometimes mm-hmm. people are like, you know, same stuff, they
1: yeah. You know, <laughs> live in the dreams and so we start it out.
2: <laughs> but I can tell you where lawyers will often struggle with the simple response to the what's up or what's new question. Often what comes next is some version of I am so busy, I am swamped, I'm buried. yeah Any time you communicate that, it mm. creates a sense of either pity or fear or a sense that I don't want to ask you to do anything and I'm not going to give you anything extra to do because I can see what a burden I would be mm. right The desire is to communicate value, so that someone would ask you a following question. And so one of the exercises that we often coach lawyers through is to have at the ready examples that would personify why a client like the one who may be considering you, why would they want to hire you? To Which you might say, well, I can tell you the feedback I often hear from my other clients. Or I can tell you a story about what other clients say they value. And when you have your why you stories ready and your why you credentials ready, there's something powerful that will
1: draw someone to you. Mm-hmm. I really like that, Deb, You're awesome. I know. And actually, <laughs> I know we're talking about attorneys and law firms, but this this is advice oh, for yeah. life. Yeah. I mean, you could use it in any situation. To be honest.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Hey, Brad. No doubt. What's new?
1: Oh, geez. I, I had to stop and think <laughs> oh, about <too>. <laughs> it.
2: <laughs> but it's so funny because, like, if you because if you yeah. ask me, you know, if you ask me what's new. Um, you know, if you can start to train yourself to just have some default messages ready. So yeah. right now, yeah, you know, my professional headline message <laughs> is absolutely ready. And if they said, you know, what's new, I would be saying, I am teaching people how to do business development in the space of human condition right. and human distress. Mm-hmm. That's what's new with me. That's what I'm working on more than anything right now. And then on my personal life, I'm on my way to Iowa for a long weekend with Ooh. in-laws.
1: Ooh.
2: I'll let you fill in the emotion. You know yeah. what I mean? yeah, now, that now. could
1: be good or <laughs> bad. <laughs> I don't like, know which direction to go with that one. <laughs> But the
2: reality that, that was is something yeah. other than
0: nothing much or, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> everything that you told us today was extremely amazing and easy to use too. But let's just redo it all again. How do you do that all from a virtual standpoint? Obviously, that's reality right now. You're zooming in. Brad and I are in the studio, but, you know, life is virtual. So how do we take all these awesome principles that you just told us about and put them into action from our house or from, you know, the coffee shop, wherever we're working from?
2: Well, I I can say this, Lauren, it, it, it can be incredibly daunting unless we're really clear about what our target market and ideal client looks like and can be really daunting on whether or not we believe we have some value to bring to the table. Because in the end, when you look at business development activities, um, maybe in a pre-COVID environment, there was this sense that if I just did enough activity, at some point, I'll get lucky. And the reality is we've got to be a lot more discerning and a lot more intentional to initiate relationship building or business development activity mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. virtual world. When, though, you have real clarity about the who that you want to serve and you're really clear about the value that you wish to serve and bring... Then when you begin to look at what are the right activities for authentic relationship building, we need to have high confidence that you don't need to be stymied by remote working from home. And you don't need to be daunting. It doesn't need to be daunting to think about virtual instead of in person. And so there are, again, three important channels that if you're clear about your target market and ideal client, and you're really clear about the message of value and the problems that you're solving and the stories of service that you would want to bring to bear, Then you need to look at things through three lenses. So one, authentic relationships right now, because we don't have that as we are going good fortune networking kind of thing, we need to think about allies or alliances, if you will. Usually an ally is somebody that has a complementary service or capability or they share our target market. Sometimes we think of those as other trusted advisors in professional services. We also should be looking, though, at allies within our own firm. What I'll say, though, in alliance strategy, simply knowing people who could refer you business does not mean they will. And simply having people with whom to collaborate, just talking about it doesn't actually produce cross-selling. So one of the ways to build an authentic relationship in a virtual environment is to be very intentional in how you're reaching out to your alliances or your allies. And having conversation which is designed to intentionally share wisdom, understand the triggers, the targets, the problems that are going to be solved,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and then add to an inventory of authentic reasons that you can now reach out to your clients. And in our world, an authentic reason is an in. It's anything that is going to give you a plausible reason to reach out to a client or potential client that would make them say, wow, that sounds interesting. That feels valuable. So the ends. It could be an invitation, it could be an introduction, or it could be an insight or information. And so when you ally, you multiply your ends. And the inventory of ends gets exponentially larger when you're pairing and partnering with others that share your target market or are complementary in their skills and services, be able to bring that to market. So allies is, is one channel. Second channel is rethinking your relationship with events. And notwithstanding, we've all had probably our early um, early opportunities to have a virtual coffee or a virtual cocktail. And while some of those things still ring true, I think we're now moving into a little bit more substantive virtual events. Mm-hmm. We've got to think about highly curated and highly focused educational and lifestyle events and doing it in a way that is in service to the audience. I think the best virtual events create value for all the audience or participants insofar as it creates access and new introductions in your relationships with you. Finally, is content. I mean, this is something really powerful and important to you all. But when we think about content and profile raising, we've got to look at this not only as a one and done to get a single blog post or a single article or a single webinar, but really think about it from the point of leverage. We always say there's a nine-to-one leverage opportunity. When you take a single vehicle for, I wrote, I wrote an article on how you can turn that into video mm-hmm. or how you can turn that into a blog or how you can turn that into an ebook, taking information and watching how it can grow exponentially just through media. Or it's also about curation. One of my favorite strategies that I'm coaching lawyers on right now is you can build relationships with people based on who you follow and how you curate and how you aggregate smart things that other people say and give them back to your audience to say, this is a roll-up of really wise thinking on this subject. And by curating, aggregating, and amplifying, adding your voice to that, you get all the imputed thought leadership with it. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a really great time to be thinking about activating business development activity in the name of authentic relationship building when we use alliances, when we rethink our event strategies, and when we look at content or profile raising.
0: Mm-hmm. That's that's awesome. I'm actually over here taking notes for like my work week next week and things <laughs> that I want to do from a marketing standpoint. I was, obviously, I I'm was, not an attorney. I was looking
1: over and I was, I was trying to give the hint. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Write that down. Write that Who down. has a notepad <laughs> here, Brad or Lauren? Mm.
1: <laughs> that is really good advice. I mean, especially in, in the environment that we're in, everybody, you know, we've all been to those virtual conferences that were just just a waste of time. I I yeah. hate to say it, but it didn't have those pieces that you had just covered, and so I I don't want to sit through that. You know, it it doesn't bring anything. There wasn't that connection. Yeah, and those are really good advice uh, for on. Our no, next it, virtual yeah. events. It
0: really is. And we're actually so Deb, we're working on a webinar right now and it's crazy because I thought the same thing. Like I've been to so many webinars the past couple months and online conferences. And sometimes you just waste an hour and you're like, I literally didn't learn anything. They're just trying to promote themselves. And so I was working on the content and I'm just like, like, we have to be able to teach people something. They mm-hmm. have to be able to walk away with something. We're not just here to push our software or push our services. Like, you're just gonna, for lack of better words, you to piss people off, you know, if they yeah. wasted an hour of your time. All they want is my sale. They don't care about like. You want to be there to actually educate and give them something that they can do on their own immediately to you know improve whatever
2: they need to improve. That is such a well articulated formula for positive outcomes in a virtual world mm-hmm. is when you operate from the vantage point that if I'm going to ask you to give me the investment of your time when you're already distressed and you're tired and you're, and you're, yeah. you're looking for hope. And when you can come <laughs> to a place and, and have a webinar be a replenishment station, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I think of it like a watering station where, wow, I just invested time and I received something that I can implement right now, whether or not I engage this client or engage this service, I'm going to be better, smarter, stronger. I can flourish more mm-hmm. having invested that time and what ends up happening is then that extra value gets imputed on the organizer or the or the curator for future interest or need and over time i mean 7 to 14 advances Right. Um, when you can have those me- meaningful moments, they will stand out because they mm-hmm. live Make in the emotional yeah. memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And you may uh, cut
1: down
0: on that 7 to 14. You may hit a 6.
1: Right. <laughs> Just depends <laughs> right. on how good you are. <laughs> right.
0: That's right. <laughs> um so we like when we end each episode, we like to leave our listeners with three takeaways. Um really the 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 cream of the crop what they can take away right now and really put into play. So curious if you had to pick one thing that you mentioned today, well, we'll do this. We'll, okay. we'll share our favorites. Deb, what was the
2: one thing, or what is the one thing that you would want the listeners to take away today? That have a relationship with your business development, your sales and marketing activities, operate first and foremost with the mindset of an act of service. Mm-hmm. If you think about any outreach in any effort that you would be engaging in the name of generating revenue come at it like an act of service, like Santa with a gift that is in service to the target audience in which you want to um, do business with. Mm -hmm.
1: I like it.
0: Yeah. Bradley?
1: Okay. So mine really has to be the passion piece. (laughs) I really like that because... You know, you're out there, you're wanting sales, you're mm-hmm. wanting to grow your business, you're trying to get anybody or any, you know, trying to get those numbers to increase. You need to market towards your passion because that's where you're really going to see your increase in in sales as well as people coming in because they're going to feel it and then they're going to talk to other people and then it's going to spread. And that's really, it's going to be that mm-hmm. way and you're going to be happier personally as well as your clients will be happier. So yeah. I think that's my real takeaway. Did yeah. I steal yours, Lauren? Uh,
0: you both stole mine. Oh. So no. But there's so many good points today. No. So one I really like too. I like Deb when you brought up assessing the marketplace. So I think everybody, you know, regardless of what you do for a living, you've been doing it for a while, so you kind of get comfortable. Um, but there's so many things going on in the world today. You know, are you taking into account that people are working from home and that, hey, you might not be able to have a face-to-face consultation. Let me make sure I get virtual consultations set up and I get that all figured out and whatnot. Um, you know, maybe you do personal injury and there's a lot of other firms in the area that practice at same time. Type of law. What are they doing poorly? What do you know they're doing poorly that you can do differently? You know, sit back and really look at the area that you practice in. Who are your clients? What do they do for a living? What do they do in the day to day? What's going on in your county? You know, are there big events coming up? Just what can you open your eyes and mm-hmm. look at everything out there going on and how you can take advantage of that? No doubt. Good yeah, stat. I loved it. Yeah. Well, Deb, you have been. Uh, totally awesome today for lack of I feel like I've said awesome so many times like this is awesome <laughs> but this it's is better awesome. it was totally awesome I know this I need to time, find so. a new word no you have been so great and I mean I've learned a lot today me so too. um I definitely have a ton of things that I'm going to take to work with me next week but I think everybody listening has probably learned a lot of stuff too where uh where else can they go for additional resources to learn more about business development
2: Well, I would say, by all means, please feel free to check out our website at growthplay.com. We have a a whole resource section of blog posts, uh, webinars, downloadable services. Um, We routinely uh, promote other thought leaders who are in our space. So I would say, by all means, I think that's a great space to to check out. Um, I would also encourage folks, you know, as you start to see or create some visibility, if you see people that are showing up either in your marketing feed or in your, in your, um, any other kind of a consumption of news. Mm-hmm. Um, I am amazed at some of the things that you can glean, even from people that work outside of the law. So I would say right now, um, I'm spending a lot of time paying attention to people like Brene Brown. Um, I love Dan Pink's work. Um, I spend a lot of time really trying to pay attention to other thought leaders who seem to have a take or a fresh perspective And then try to seek what I can learn and then apply it to marketing and selling in the legal industry. So there's a real wealth of opportunity and information that goes well beyond uh, marketing and sales.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. So we're actually going to have Deb back another time too. So make sure that everybody tunes in for the next episode of The Lex Factor where we take business development even further with Deb. Um, But until then, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you everybody for tuning into this episode of The Lex Factor.
1: Thank you, Deb. Thank you, everybody. My pleasure. Thank you all. Thanks for tuning in to
0: The Lex Factor. Lexicon takes care of business so you can take care of law. Learn how to build a better practice at lexiconservices.com.